Hi guys, Rob here, podcast editor for EveryMinds. Today, Paul interviews founder of Tiger Law and Tiger HR, Vanessa Chalice. Vanessa discusses why working from home is not the same as in a pandemic and why managers should not be given the title due to time served, plus so much more. If you think EveryMind at Work can help your business, then head over to everymindatwork.com. If you found this episode valuable, don't forget to share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. And as ever, enjoy the show. So Vanessa, welcome to the Every Mind at Work podcast. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. We were just talking about it being a Friday afternoon and how we're both excited <laughs> for the yeah. weekend ahead. <laughs> um, I suppose, I'm guessing, you know, it's been a busy period for you as well. And I think that's a good place to start. Kind of for the people listening, can you just give us a bit of an insight into kind of what you do today and a bit more about the business as well? Sure. So uh, I probably started off just like any other solicitor training and getting into private practice, never really fit that mould very well. And in um, January 2015, uh, I started out on my own and um, I was pregnant with my third child at that time and the sole breadwinner in the family. So lots and lots of pressure. But I wanted to I didn't want to be managed anymore. I think that was the thing. And I wanted to be as different from a law firm as possible. So there are a number of gripes that people have uh, with lawyers, which is around black holes of invoices, paying per minute to speak to the person advising you, being given lots of options, but not really your advisor committing to one. So you kind of feel like lots of jargon and no firm advice. So that's how we started out. And we got HR on board quite quickly because um, my background's commercial litigation. This was intended to keep people away from litigation. And so it was non-contentious contract reviews, contract production. So we were dealing with businesses and HR very swiftly became a priority. So Sebastian joined and it was then called in-house legals. Well, soon there were four of us. And we were working with accountants, wealth managers, people working with employers and SME owners. And we were being asked for stuff that only law firms can do as a regulatory matter. Um, And we started Tiger Law in March 2017. So we just turned four. And we started Tiger HR um, for branding, really, to have some continuity between the two firms. So Tiger HR started helping Tiger Law clients when clients just really didn't need to pay law firm fees or have legal advice as such um, around the mechanical day-to-day HR. Uh, so that has grown. There are now, I think, 18 of us. Um, and we've championed flexible working and remote working, however you want to do it really since day dot because it was designed around my lifestyle and so people who gravitate towards flexible and or remote working um find tiger the the perfect setting so we do commercial property um commercial litigation corporate law mergers and acquisitions employment through to uh now we do services for individuals um so we've got residential conveyancing, family and private clients. So it's quite a full range, initially out of working for owner managers. Nice. So it's definitely evolved over time. And 
I can only imagine, I'm guessing here, how's the last 18 months been for you? <laughs> um, well, in some respects, I felt a little bit ahead of the curve because although we've just opened our second office, um, that is essentially to give the team a choice how and where they want to work. Um, but we've been working remotely. I haven't met two thirds of my team physically. Um, and I think I was one of the first, if not the first law firm to offer remote training um, to juniors. So culturally this big shift to working outside of the office wasn't there for us. Um, we had the technological answers about how we could work as a team very early on. So that wasn't it. For me, as a business owner, it was more about thinking, oh, God, what if my line of work dries up? Because it's a luxury product, isn't it? Mm. Most legal services. Um, what do I do? What's the bread and butter of any law firm? How can I protect our livelihoods? Not just mine, but the team's. So that's when... Um, the bits of work we were doing for owner managers around their wills and um, so on. And I was always sending family work to um, an ex-colleague of mine because we couldn't do it. We decided to bring that in-house because these tend to be more ongoing needs for people in the community as opposed to companies spending money on contracts or even disputes. Um, so it was about being agile enough to, I really don't like the word pivot, but agile enough to see what gaps we could fill in the business, how we could hunker down and um, ride the storm really. And then this idea that I had that my line of work would dry up didn't happen. Um, and I had taken that opportunity to refresh the website and the compliance and the internal processes thinking I was going to have a quiet patch. I didn't. So I was doing all that and growing the firm and all the internal fun stuff, not at all, um, in one go. So it's been crazy. Yeah, busy, <laughs> busy, busy. Yeah, and I'm guessing, you know, because we work with a lot of HR professionals in terms of, helping them with their mental health strategy and, and well-being strategies and also supporting their employees. And mm. every HR professional I speak to is just the busiest they've ever been because, you know, so much has been sort of thrown on their plate. And, you know, I'm guessing you've probably seen that yourself as well in terms of supporting them too. It's just, it seems like a really, really difficult, busy, overwhelming period for HR professionals right now. Very, very difficult. And, um, so HR and employment isn't my background, although I run an HR firm, I have obviously trained and qualified people who have that expertise, but we support each other because there is some overlap. Um, but where we had the government being very, very woolly around its guidance, particularly in the first half of last year, um, and furlough and all the questions around that and HR professionals were having to gen up and become experts themselves mm -hmm. before they could um, advise their clients or their employers. Uh, you know, I've yeah. got a bookkeeping company who's in the next office and they do payroll and they're expected to have the same kinds of answers. 
So where the answers and the guidance has not been very clear, or you've had to refer to this regulation and that bit of guidance and over here to keep your employer out of trouble, um, it's, I imagine it's like being back at college or being back at university where you're having to cram constantly, knowing that your advice is going to be relied on. Um, the government advice might change the very next day and you're constantly playing catch up. So, yeah, I mean, it's been <laughs> a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. And it's definitely, as again, I think it's shined a light on HR in a different way. You know, HR has this misconception around the role and the function within a business. But as you said, they have been sort of superheroes a lot of the time, sort of doing their own research and staying on top of regulations and looking at the changes every five minutes and adapting yeah. to that. And it's, it's, you know, I think there definitely needs to be some, some reward for them at the end of all of this as well. One thing you, you spoke about, which I want to touch on um, about being ahead of the curve is, is remote working. Like what's, what's your opinions on remote working? Cause we hear all about this new normal and going back to the workplace. And I've, I've worked, you know, on online for whatever, 10 years now and working from home seems pretty normal to me. Um, and it sounds the same to you as well. But, you know, it, this, especially in, in sort of the legal sector, you know, I've, you know, I've got a, a contact in Slaughter and May and someone who's really interested in well-being and mental health. And, and they were talking about that sort of industry. It's still kind of no remote working, burn the candle at both ends, work hard, last night at the office is, is the best performer. Um, so what's your opinions personally on remote working as well? Well, uh, my industry in particular is uber conservative. Um, the working pattern fits the majority of those at board level, historically, white, male, middle-aged, middle-class. And it doesn't matter or hasn't mattered to them historically whether they get home in time to see the kids or not. Uh, you know, if you're trying to promote equality, that just doesn't work. Mm. Um, I think there's there are a lot of um, people conflating working from home with working from home during the pandemic and homeschooling. Mm -hmm. You know, it is not the same thing. It is not being stuck in isolation from your friends, your family, your colleagues, while you're trying to homeschool, you know, a variety of different age children, doing the teacher's job um, and trying to adjust to all of this. That is not working from home. This has been a crisis. Uh, and I think it's a bit like trying to compare apples and oranges. So I think that needs saying really clearly from the outset at, about any conversation around working from home. So working from home per se, I think for me, it's about choice. I think it's really important that people feel enabled to express how they want to work. So um, historically, requests for flexible working, we know that there are limited reasons why these can be turned down, but often they are. And it look at the bargaining position um, between employees and employers there. And that's often been to the detriment of female careers. Um, but there are other kinds of people who want to work from home and have that flexibility too. It's not just parents of young children. Uh, it suits all different kinds of lifestyles. It doesn't mean you're any less 
um, committed. In fact, sometimes it might mean you're more committed uh, to a job that affords you the lifestyle that you want. Um, and I also have to look at the agenda of people. I wrote a piece on it um, best part of a year ago, I think, and uh, uh, some doctor had talked about, you know, the, the loss of humanity or identity or something. And the, the thing that um, sticks in my mind is saying it smells like she owns a sandwich shop because that was the big thing. Sandwich shops are being left empty. But the agenda behind this drive to get people back into the office, are we scared for commercial landlords? Are we scared for empty buildings? Um, banks who have been lending to commercial property investors uh, leases being breached, forfeited, as they will be in the near future. Is that what is driving this uh, swing back to getting us all back into the office? Um, because that's not to do with employee well-being. Even when you see Rishi commenting as he has, that's not because he cares about employees. That's because he cares about businesses and probably more about the bigger businesses that own the buildings he wants to see full again. Um, so I think it's a really big topic, um, but primarily I think every one of these conversations has to start with clarifying that we're not talking about working from home during a pandemic and homeschooling. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's something that rings true of a lot of the research and data that we see, especially during this time, is when employees feel valued, when employees feel heard, and when employees have the freedom to choose, as you said, they will deliver more work, they will stay in the business because they feel valued and rewarded. Um, and there is no one size fits all approach to this, is there? Like, oh, let's go back to the office. You know, if you say, let's all go back to the office, there's going to be people that are waiting to go back to the office. They thrive in an office environment. They want to get back in. They might live at home on their own and they want that. There are others that just cannot even bear the anxiety of getting on, you know, a train uh, to commute into work. And if this this force of let's get everyone back in the office, you know, you're going to have a lot of people that are struggling with that. And I think like you kind of outlined in your approach as a business of having this new office it's in case your employees want it. It's like this flexibility that you're creating. Absolutely. For your employees. Yeah. And I think um, we also need to be mindful of everyone having been forcibly stuck at home um, mm. for the past year and the period of adjustment of getting back into the office that will inevitably need to happen um, because we're not coming out of a normal period where people have chosen to work from home, but now we're going to work in the office. We have been isolated. We've all been traumatized to some degree, some a lot more than others. Um, you know, particularly thinking about people who've lived by themselves during lockdown and then being back in a very busy office environment and what adjustment that's going to need. So yeah, this idea of forcing everyone back, just give people a choice. You know, even if it's a couple of days in, a couple of days at home, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And now we know it works. So I think the really exciting thing, the silver lining of the past year in this topic has been that we've all seen that it can work. It can be productive. It can be positive for everyone.
Mm, I think it's like, yeah, it's definitely accelerated it, hasn't it? It's like you, you, you knew that it worked, especially in your industry before the pandemic, but you know, businesses would never have adapted to that for, I don't know, five, 10, 20 years, who knows? Oh, longer, I think, yeah. Exactly, this has kind of just made them have to do it and now they're seeing it in a different way, um, which is good to see. Um, but in terms of, you know, we spoke a little bit about the sort of emotional side, employee wellbeing, um, with kind of the work that you're doing as well. What have you seen during this time that potentially employers have done around mental health in the workplace, well-being in the workplace that you thought, you know, that you know what, that's a good, a good thing to do. Have you seen anything from organizations that have had a big impact on employees in a positive way? Um, well, there yes and no. So I think that there has been a lot of lip service paid to well-being um, for employees and some box ticking going on. Um, you know, in the same way that people are catching up with risk assessments around, you know, the, the desk set out. Um, and it's just making, oh, we've done that. So we're not going to get in trouble. But um, the really meaningful stuff that I've seen, I've really liked some of the um, physical fitness stuff that I've seen going on. And there's been quite a movement to providing that remotely, of course. Um, but actually building that into employees' well-being programs. Um, I think this idea that we've been kind of stuck in cells almost, you know, by which I mean kind of like beehive cells as opposed to prison cells, although I'm sure it's felt like that yeah. at times, um, and very isolated and sedentary because we haven't been able really to go out much. I've seen some employers bring in... Um, I have a, a couple of clients actually who do this, who do corporate well-being with outside fitness programs. So when you were allowed to gather, actually employees who were within the same kind of geographical area, meeting up when allowed and doing outside fitness as part of something that their employer was supporting. That I think that's quite innovative. I really like that. Um, through to... I've arranged this, um, really enjoyed it. Um, having someone coming in and doing a remote kind of, almost like a bonding session in my team. So we had breakout rooms and because a lot of us had never physically met and we would, although we were in constant contact all day, every day, um, actually speaking about non-work stuff purposefully for a period of a two or three hours. Um, and then when we got back to work, we felt like we'd had lunch together or we were more closely knit. And I'm seeing that brought into the workspace a lot more. So I think employers are, when they're really thinking about it, and it's not a box ticking exercise, delegating and outsourcing some of this because they know perhaps that there is a a bank of specialisms out there that they can't offer internally and you can't rely on your HR manager to deliver this stuff you know this is something else it's not HR exactly it fits within that yeah. um so yeah uh, but the physical fitness thing I think that was my favorite thing that I've seen yeah and I think you know when we're looking at mental health the way that we sometimes say the best way to tackle mental health is to implement it into physical health because physical health when I say it's more inclusive, it's almost, yeah, I'll do a physical health challenge, but actually saying to, especially, you know, 
men of a certain age do you want to come and talk about mental health you know of course they're not going to say yes to that question it's going to be i don't want to talk about my emotions but embedding that into like physical health well-being driving initiatives like that and i think you made a really good point as well is it's 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 moving away from the tick box of we've got an employee assistance program so we're doing a good enough job it's more about those initiatives those ideas and for that to be solely relied on when it comes to HR becomes difficult because they're they're so busy with other stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, definitely on the same page, and that's something that we try and do as a, a business to to provide as much support as we can to HR when it comes to sort of overall. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, the kind of legal side of it. So when you're looking at the law and and mental health, I don't know if you've sort of you've done a lot of this yourself but i've read somewhere recently that employee tribunals are kind of increased around mental health um have you seen something this have you seen something like that yourself and equally do you feel like businesses should be doing a lot more as a legal responsibility for for employees mental health uh well yes that's the short answer um i think it it protects everyone and therefore it benefits everyone so um pretending it's not there is only going to exacerbate the problem and end up with it probably being too big to deal with internally and maybe ending up with that employment relationship ending badly. So um, it's always been important, but it's always also been something which is hugely delicate. Um, And because it's delicate, Uh, we find that managers feel unable to tackle it Mm -hmm. and it's an issue around training and supporting managers not even necessarily HR managers Um, but for example this has happened a lot over the last year where um, managers aren't being supported in how to change how they do things because now it's remote Um, where they might have previously performance managed something that might not have been desperately appropriate even then because it had this aspect to it, a mental health aspect, stress, um, some kind of um, protected characteristic, perhaps mishandling it because of not being trained in the office environment has got that much worse remotely, so it's ignored completely. And then with we get inquiries, well, how do I deal with this? Well, have you documented anything previously? Have you dealt with anything previously? No, no, but it's too much now, I need to get rid. Well, you know, if you had had the conversation early enough and supported your manager and spotted, you know, what you needed to be doing, had conversations, made reasonable adjustments and supported this employee, actually you would have had a productive relationship at the end of it, not someone who's been hiding for three months and can't speak to their manager and a manager who just wants to dismiss. Um, So that's definitely been a feature of the last year, but I think that's really down to um, maybe at board level, emancipating your managers and training your managers to deal with these difficult situations. Because if someone's got to a managerial position because of time served, you know, just because they've been around for that long, it doesn't mean they know how to manage. Mm -hmm. It's a different skill to knowing how to build or rebuild a car. And then suddenly someone's in charge of the workshop and they've got 20 people underneath them. Can those people have conversations about 
mental health easily? No. So, but every single employee is a human being who's got vulnerabilities. And actually, I, I mentioned to you a moment ago that we're about to partner up with um, a national mental health provider. Um, they do counselling, they're qualified therapists and psychotherapists and psychiatrists um, who deal with critical um, points in people's lives and how we can bring that together with occupational health and bridging that gap between HR training, um, mental health at the sharp end, occupational health in the middle and how we can support employers with that because it, it feels like there's a piece of the jigsaw missing. Mm. Yeah, it definitely is. And I was smiling a lot because I agreed with everything you said. Um, you know, the, the the approach that we take, the strategy that we take is the whole top down strategy, as you've said, like equip and educate and train. And the thing is with mental health, you know, I'm very open about my own journey now, but it was, it's purely lack of education. We're not taught about this stuff. So hey. you know, we, we shy away from it because we we... I always talk about, you know, my preconditioning to mental health was straight jackets, padded cells and personalities that I didn't want to involve myself with. And then I was impacted by it personally. And, and now I've got a different education of mental health and I try and share that. And that's all you're trying to do with management. As you've said, it's like you don't have to be a qualified therapist here. Just educate yourself on the basics of it and how you can approach these conversations. And then equally, what we also say is, you also then have to eradicate stigma and empower employees because you might have management trained, but if employees still feel judged, you know, I can't talk, I can't be open, I can't be vulnerable, then you're not going to get them talking to their managers anyway, even if they've done some training. So yeah, massively agree with kind of everything you've said. And I think that's so important to have that management training in place. And Yeah, they need to buy into it. The board needs yeah. to buy into it. Managers need to buy into it. You know, and if you want to be entirely brutal and, and not talk about it being about caring about your workforce, just look at your bottom line, yeah. you know, it's as black and white as that. So you will have less um, absenteeism, you will have better productivity, um, your employees will be marketing for you, um, your business will benefit if you look after your employees properly. So if you're not going to do it because you feel you should from your heart as an ethical um, decision, it's a good business decision. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I massively agree. Um, conscious of time, I don't want to take up too much of your time. We could talk about this forever, right? Um, I just want to ask you a couple of questions more about sort of you personally. The first question is, what do you currently do to sort of manage your own mental health? Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, it's like a busman's holiday, isn't it? It's the last thing you take care of when you're so busy advising and looking after everybody else. Um I'm trying to turn that around so that I'm aware of, uh, I'm, I work with a, a couple of PTs and they talk about the macro cycle. So you hit this um, over a number of weeks and just being aware of not burning out is so easy to do. Um, people talk about burnout, but that point of exhaustion where you can't decide if you want a tea or a coffee at the end of the day, there are no decision making cells left in your brain. Um, this last year has exacerbated that, I think, for everybody. So for me, it is physical fitness, actually. 
Um, so getting up in the morning, quiet time before anyone else in the house gets up and doing some weights. And um, when we're back in the gym, it'll be in the gym, doing something that's so physically strenuous that you actually can't think mm -hmm. about other stuff. You're, you're in that moment. Um, I find that really helpful. Yeah, nice. Um, trying not to rely on wine. <laughs> yeah. Not occasional glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine every now and then. I always kind of say, like, you know, what I've learned about mental health is I was equipped with a toolbox of managing my emotions with anger, lots of alcohol, lots of spending money, you know, and, and the wrong stuff, and and maybe like the odd gym session. My toolbox now is, you know, bit of therapy if I need it, journaling exercise going for a run but equally an odd glass of wine or beer if i've had a tough yeah week. just being kind right. to yourself yeah yeah exactly actually being moderate and being okay with being moderate if you have an extreme personality which i do and it sounds like you might do um it's very easy to um sublimate that and do something actually which is quite self-destructive um and actually this is, you know, I've reached middle-aged peak now. I repot plants. I putter around in the garden and I have hens. And this makes me happy. Uh, and the immediacy, actually, feeding your hens and collecting the eggs and I'm hatching some chicks now. Nice. I mean, you know, it's like the good life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I find that really helpful. It's just different and it's so basic, you know, feeding an animal and collecting eggs uh, yeah that kind of stuff yeah the simple kind of mindful activities that people often neglect I like that um how do you best manage your team as well so and we've spoken about the importance of management and I was again smiling when you said typically managers become managers because they've been in their job for a long time or they're high performers but you know I've learned as well managing a team it's a totally different you know, outlook, it's a massively, you know, challenging thing to do. So yeah. have you got any advice on that? Yeah, so uh, Sebastian's my co-director at Tiger HR. And um, with litigation and being quite fighty as a background, um, I have a weird reaction to when I get stressed about things personally. It's not the same as dealing with a client's dispute and managing that, managing client's expectations. When I'm the client, um, I need to bounce things off someone. Mm. So uh, I will check what I'm doing with Seb and say, this has arisen. Am I doing this in the right way? What's the best way of approaching this? Um, and just being mindful of not just hitting the right HR points, but making sure that my communication style is appropriate. Um, I'm also half Greek, so I'm a bit too Greek to be English and too English to be Greek. I can be very forthright um, and tempering that because I just, you know, in litigation, it's just, duh, 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 you know, deadline, just do it. And um, it can feel very abrupt when that's not the intention at all. So I've learned how to communicate in a different way because it's when you're, speaking with a team member about something that they might feel shy about or not comfortable about, or there's a mistake, which I absolutely think is a learning opportunity, not something to beat someone over the head with, and just making sure that everything feels positive 
and comfortable. In my industry, juniors get thrown under the bus for making a mistake. You know, it rolls downhill. You take the credit for their good ideas, but you, you know, you chuck them to the lions if there's a mistake. Well, that doesn't happen here. And it's um, really important that we feel cohesive uh, and all the more so because it's remote. So we do that with constant communication. We have a coffee room channel where we go in, get a bit sweary, have a relax. And we make decisions by consensus as well. So it's not me saying, this is how we do things. It's guys, I want to change this. What do we think is the best way that we can manage this process? Um, and that's how we evolve as a firm. Nice. I really like it. And then final question, and I will warn you, I haven't prepped you with this one, Vanessa, and this is a big one. Um, what is the advice that you would give to your younger self? Oh, my word. Apart from think about your tattoos more carefully. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I think it would be. Don't worry about meeting other people's expectations. Believe in yourself. Um, it's very easy to feel displaced um, and isolated in a career which is designed for particular kinds of people. If you don't fit in that box, I mean, when I was a trainee, I remember being looked up and down by my training partner, being told, you will never be any kind of solicitor look at me now um so try and develop a thick skin from early on i think that would be it don't take it to heart and believe in yourself and i think that's the case for everybody it's easy to be knocked off course in your 20s and um, make yourself pay with self-destructive behaviors because of other people's agendas when you get older you can spot the agendas can't you and you can deflect it much more easily so yeah probably that and think about your tattoos <laughs> nice i relate to both of those ones um, <laughs> yeah sweet no it's amazing amazing answers and again thank you for sort of sharing and your expertise but also um you know vulnerabilities in a way as well so finally vanessa where can people find out a little bit more about you and the business as well Oh, well, we're doing a lot of work on our website and uh, putting as much as we can on the information, not just about the work we do, but who we are, how to connect to us. So that's tiger-law.com and tiger-hr.com. Um, I'm all over LinkedIn. I can't shut up, it seems. Um, so posting on there quite a lot. And Daisy's doing an amazing job on Insta. Um, she's joined us recently and bringing us into this century, I think, quite nicely. Nice. Amazing. So we'll link up to that all in the show notes, but thank you, Vanessa, and um, enjoy your, your weekend. I'm sure you deserve a good break as well. Thank you. And you.